You're listening to a message from Ogden Church, a gospel-centered ministry for all people. We hope during the next few minutes you gain a better understanding of God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. All right, happy Father's Day to those fathers in the room. We are thankful for you. I know that a day like this can have mixed emotions. There are those of us that maybe didn't know our father as well as we would like, or our fathers didn't act in the way that we wished that they had. And we sometimes are caught in the mix, to, uh, the midst of celebration versus grieving and We want, as we come together and celebrate fathers and are thankful for them, to recognize that no matter what your earthly father situation looked like, we have a heavenly father that is perfect for us and we can find ourselves in and find satisfaction and significance in in him. We've been looking at Psalms of Ascent. In the book of Psalms, there's a group of 15 of these chapters that were sung by people as they would make pilgrimage to the temple. And they would sing these psalms to remind themselves of truths of God. And we are going to look at Psalm chapter 127. There are only five verses. It's a short psalm. But it's so beautiful and reminds us of where we can find significance. Because real significance is only found in God in no other place. But yet the world is constantly telling you, if you do this thing, you'll find significance. You'll feel good about yourself. If you try this job, if you have this many children, if you make this much money, you will have significance. But scripture tells us a different story, that it's only given to us by God. I was thinking about this concept, and I thought about a movie about Peter Pan, and Robin Williams is in it, and he's sort of grown up. Peter Pan, he left Neverland, he has a family, two children. They get kidnapped by Captain Hook, and he has to go back to Neverland, and Robin Williams does this incredibly well in this movie. He he plays the part of grown-up Peter Pan very well, and he's at a table with the lost boys and they're sitting at this table and everybody looks like they're feasting on this incredible food and everybody's just saying oh this tastes so good can you believe that this is so amazing and he just sees nothing and they're just eating air the whole time and eventually over the course of the scene he starts to let his imagination work and he sees all of this beautiful food just like everyone else and then he starts to eat the food like they are and it's this beautiful moment where the story turns and he starts to become Peter Pan, the way he was before. Now, the problem with that is that no matter how good your imagination is, you can't imagine and eat food. That doesn't happen in real life. It doesn't, it's not possible. So what he did, and he's like, oh, this is so great. He's literally eating air. And what happens to us in life is these things that promise us significance— sometimes look good and seem like they might be helpful to us, but we're really just consuming nothing and left with an empty stomach and longing for something that can give us real and true significance. We all have something different for us that we run to and look to for significance, but it's only found 
in God. We're going to see that three things are described that can't give us significance that we often run to naturally in our human sinfulness. We run to building something. We want to build something bigger and make it look beautiful and and better. We run to building stuff. We run to security. If I can just make things safe and secure for my family, I'll feel good about myself like I did my job. And sometimes for us, we run to work, just laboring to, to look like we can provide, be a hard worker and have a good work ethic that other people can see and admire in us. The first thing that, that won't give us significance is when we try to build something by ourselves. And in the first part of verse 1, the first half of verse 1, it says this. Some of you maybe are familiar with this verse. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. No matter how beautiful your house is, no matter how incredible the stuff that you have is in this world, if you're trying to build it, if it's for you, if it's for your significance, you labor in vain. It means it won't mean anything. It doesn't amount to anything. Because the things on this world can disappear in an instance. What are you trying to build? You see, this this psalm is a psalm that is described and written with Solomon in mind. Solomon is the son of David, and King David is one of the most celebrated kings of all the Old Testament. King David wanted to build the temple for God, but God said, No, no, you're not going to build the temple for me. Your son is going to build it. And God says, but I'm going to build a house for you. You don't build my house. I build a house for you. And he was talking about the descendants of David, that he would eventually bring Jesus into the world through. God was going to be building something that David couldn't even see. It was going to be far beyond him. But then they write to Solomon, look, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Solomon was going to build an unbelievable temple for God. But he's reminded that God's the one who, you you may be building, but the Lord's the one who builds the house. Because Solomon's building this temple, you know where that temple is now? Doesn't look the same. There's all sorts of things in history that were incredible and amazing but over time broke down. But when God builds something, he's using building blocks that we can't see and we can't fully manipulate or control. We have to find our significance and security as we're building and trusting that God's the one who's actually doing it. I saw this quote from Benjamin Franklin. Now, I'm aware that all of the founding fathers were not sort of evangelical Christians, but all of them were very influenced by faith. And Benjamin Franklin wrote this when they were forming the foundations of our country. Listen to what he wrote. I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in his sacred writings that 
Except the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. I firmly believe this. I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel, the Tower of Babel that collapsed in on itself as people were trying to reach to the heavens. We shall be divided by our political, partial, local interests. Our projects will be confounded, and we ourselves shall become a a reproach and byword down to future ages. And what is worse, mankind may hereafter, from this unfortunate instance, despair of establishing governments by human wisdom and leave it to chance, war, or conquest. Even Benjamin Franklin, as they're forming the foundations of this country that we all live in, now, A long time ago, he says, unless God is the one who builds this house, it will mean nothing. It will come crashing down around us. But so many of us desperately run into things that we want to build up to make ourselves feel good that we forget that it's actually the Lord who is doing the real building and we need to surrender it to him for it to last. One of our elders here had a lightning strike his house a few months back, about a year ago now. And and their home overnight burned, and it was a total loss. They're having to rebuild from scratch. And this is what will happen to the things in our lives. They will be taken from us. And the reason that we're encouraged to say, God, I want you to build the house is he's the one who is in control. He's the one who will carry it on into the future beyond the short moment of our lives where we can trust God. You have an eternal perspective, an eternal kingdom that you're building. Allow me to be a part of that. But we want it to be about us. You know, I get a blessing to be in church ministry, and and I see that God is building his house. We've been in moment after moment since I've been here at Ogden where God's just shown up in incredible ways. And there, there are conversations we have on staff when we're like, oh man, we're going to have a gap here in this area. We're concerned. I don't know what to do. And, and I remember when, when Allison Sharp came to me and said, hey, you know, I think I'm, think I'm going to step off staff. I feel called to be going to attend church with my husband who's starting his own church, feeling called over there. And I was like, absolutely, that's a great thing. And then the rest of the day, I'm just depressed and constantly obsessing about who's going to do this role at the church, and I remember I was having a conversation with G.J., our worship pastor, and G.J. is one of the most laid-back dudes you're ever going to meet, and, and I'm like, man, I'm just stressed out, and he's like, Brandon, he's like, this is just a chance for God to bring another fresh face onto our staff. This is what he's like, he's just, it's going to be fine, relax. And by God's grace, at the same time as that happened, Leanne Porter was thinking about making some switches where she was in life, and he brought somebody incredible on board for us. I know that it's tempting for me to think that I did something. I didn't do anything because the Lord builds his house. He's the one who's in control. 
And unless he builds it, it's all going to collapse. It's all going to fall. And I need to trust in him, and so do you. Where are you tempted to think that you're building? And surrender again for significance in him, not in you. The next thing that we look to for significance in our lives is security. We want to feel secure. And the second part of verse 1 says this, Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. There's guards at the city, and they're supposed to watch, just like we're supposed to build. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to say, God, you're the one who's building, not me. And you're the one who's watching, not me. I can be looking out for things like we should. We should be watching for attacks or things that could go wrong. But we got to say, God, you're the one who sees it. You're the one who knows the threats, the potential challenges that I will face. Because you know what? You can watch all you want. But there are threats that you're not going to be able to solve. There are problems that will come your way that you will not be able to take care of. And then where are you going to go? I've I've been in ministry a lot for a long time now, longer than I care to admit, because it shows how old I am. And so I've did youth ministry for a long time. And what I noticed is that one of the issues we have in our society, I know we have some teachers and administrators in the room, you can confirm this. We have some helicopter parents out there that just are trying to hover over their kids constantly, or like I've heard them referred to as bulldozer parents sometimes. They get in front, they try to eliminate any obstacle in the way, like my kid can't have any problems, no issues, no problems, and they try to create complete security and safety for their child And you can tell that they get furious when something goes wrong. Why? Because they were looking for significance in security for their family. They thought they could do it. And if I could just make that happen, then I'll have significance. I'll feel good. Some of us are, we're builders. We want to build things and we can find security in that. Some of us just want safety and security for our families. When I was a, a youth pastor in Chicago, there was a, a kid who was coming to the youth group. His family had been at the church a very long time. They came to church all while he was growing up, and the kid fell in with a, a bad crowd in this school, and he started to uh, abuse some substances. And as he got into this, he would bring substance with him sometimes and be under the influence when he would come to our youth group, which was an interesting experience for me as the youth pastor. I was like, okay, maybe don't do that. And so he would come, and I remember as we were processing this with his family, I sat down with his mom and dad, and I remember her vividly saying to me, but Brandon, we did everything right. We made all the right choices. This isn't fair. And what is that? That's her finding her significance and the security and safety she can create for her families. But the problem is God sees problems And God can answer those problems. But if you're the watch person on the tower looking over your city, you're going to see problems that maybe you're not up to the challenge to solve. You know the Titanic had a watch person. The unsinkable ship. And then it sank. 
because they saw something they couldn't solve. Think about the disciples on the ship with Jesus and the storm comes up and they think they're going to die. These are fishermen that know what it's like to be in a storm on a ship. They think they're going to die. And where's Jesus? He's sleeping. He's asleep in the hall. And they go to him. Don't you care if we die? And he stands up and he says, you have little faith, be still. And he calms the storm. Why? Because he can. And when the storm comes up in your life and in mine, it doesn't mean that he's going to make all of your problems disappear, but he has dealt with the only real problem you will ever have, and that's sin and hell before a holy God. And when we step toward him in the cross, we find real safety and security, significance in him that is not by what you can do because it's out of your control. He came and died so you could be safe and secure. But there's nothing that you can do to make that happen for yourself except receive the forgiveness through his blood of your sin. So we, we, we try to build, we try to create security, and this one, I think, in America is something we struggle with. I know I got a couple accountants in the room as well, so this one's going to hit you pretty close to home, I imagine. In vain you rise early and stay up late, Toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Now, he, two different types of people are described here. And he says, in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. We work so hard so that we can benefit in this world. And we want other people to view us as hard workers. Did you know that there are more hours worked in the United States of America than any other country in the world? We work harder, we work longer, we do not take breaks, and we want other people to see us as a hard worker. But if our significance is found there, if we're looking to our work or toil for for significance, in vain we rise early and stay up late. For if it isn't in and through Christ that we work, we are called to work hard. We are supposed to. Work is part of how God actually created Adam and Eve, and this is before the fall, right? Like he gave them jobs. They had jobs before sin took place. Work's part of what we're supposed to do, but not for your own significance, for the significance of God. What does it look like to to work hard, but at the end of the day, rest your head and say, God, I've done what I can do. I I need you to fill the rest of the way. Did you know when, when God creates Everything? He does it in six days, and then on the seventh, he rests. Did God rest because he was tired? Was God tired? No, God wasn't tired. He rested to tell you and me that we need to rest in him. And then as a believer in God, we say, God, I'm going to work six days. I'm going to work hard, but I'm going to trust that I'm going to take a day off, I'm going to rest in you, and you're going to give me in six days what everybody else works seven to get. 
where we say to God, I'm gonna live on 90% of my income because I believe you can do more with 90 than I can do with 100. Trusting in him, resting in him, toiling, not for our own significance, but for his. And then when it's all done and you've laid it on the line, you've, you have worked hard, you're able to say, God, it's in your hands. I trust in you. My dad, growing up, I, I think it's fair to say, was a workaholic. He worked constantly. He was at the office all the time. And, and he toiled for good stuff for our family. Like, we got to go on some great trips. And, you know, he, he invested in a lot of different businesses. He was doing really well. And things seemed good. But I remember how much he worked. And I remember waking up and him not being there. And going to bed and him not being there. There were lots of nights where he slept at the office and he said, the couch is so uncomfortable I can only sleep for like three hours and then I have to get up and work again. He toiled. And then in 2007, something happened. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but the market crashed and the real estate bubble that we were on burst. And then all of a sudden, all of these things that he had toiled for started to come tumbling down. Lost almost all the businesses. Declared bankruptcy. Walked away from a home that he had built with my mother. And by God's grace, he's continued to move on and stay faithful and rebuild much of what he had lost. But you know what our life is like? I don't know if you've seen any of these like sandcastle building competitions. These people are incredible. They do works of art. If you like Google, like look at Google images of sand, sandcastle building competitions. It's unbelievable. They are beautiful. And it takes hours and hours and hours. You know what that looks like the next day, the next week? It looks like a beach. <laughs> it's just gone. And when the wave hits the sandcastle, it disappears. But when the Lord builds the house, we find security in him, and we toil not for our own significance, but for his. He is building an eternal kingdom, an eternal house that we get to be a part of. He invites us into that. Are you toiling? Are you working for you, for your own significance? Or are you able to surrender and say, God, I know that you can do things that I cannot. My hope, my trust is in you. It's beyond myself, beyond this world. And then our author wraps up with the final three verses, three, four, and five. This is what he writes. Children, are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. This psalm was written to a society that was very different than ours. It was 
primarily farmers, people that needed a lot of hands on their farm to get work done. So having a lot of kids was crucially important, not just to do work, but to also defend what God had given you. If people were going to come up against and attack you, you were able to say, look, hey, let's go. Let's defend it. We got kids on kids and we're going to bring them out and we're going to fight to defend what God has given us. And also we need to recognize that children are a gift from God. Our, our culture is so self-focused, so selfish, that we often see kids as a curse. Or if there's a pregnancy that we don't want or is inconvenient for us, we just eliminate that life. And this is why we as a church read passages like this and the Christian ethic of life, and, and we say, God, we're going to advocate for lives that can't advocate for themselves. And we partner with groups like the Crisis Pregnancy Center to defend the defenseless. Children are literally, it's like the most glib saying ever, right? The ch- kids are the future. People say, like, children are the future. They are. And we must invest and pass down a legacy of faith to our children as we love them in the way that Christ has loved us. God uses families. And I know there are people in here that have desperately wanted a family but didn't get maybe what they were hoping for. But one of the beautiful things when God builds the house is he gives you in the family of Christ parents that maybe you never had in the body of Christ. He gives you brothers and sisters and children that you can have under the family of God in his eternal kingdom in a way that this world could never have offered it to you. able to defend ourselves. You know, I'm very, very thankful for the family that that I grew up in. I'm a pastor, as you can see, and um, my family is a family of lawyers. So I know you're probably judging me right now, but my grandpa was a lawyer, then a judge, and then my dad became a lawyer. His three brothers and sisters are all lawyers, and then my sister became a lawyer as well. And I remember growing up thinking like, oh man, maybe I should do this. Felt called into ministry. But I'll tell you what, every time a weird legal situation comes up in my life, I'm pretty thankful that I can call a lawyer. Like everybody's got lawyer jokes until you need one, right? (laughs) And I call my dad when something comes up and he is able to give me just sound, wise advice to be able to handle the situation. For free, I think, most of, maybe the bill is still coming, sending me to collections. But how beautiful is it that when I come up against a situation, I have somebody that I can call. You see, when the Lord builds the house and, and you come under his roof and you say, God, my hope is found in you. I'm washed clean in you. You're brought into a family of people. People that you can call, that you can lean on. As we are that for someone else, they're that for us. 
and all of the things of this world. And you go through these situations where you're like, man, I feel like I don't have anybody to lean on. Not so in the church. Because the Lord is building his house for his glory. When we toil, we keep our eyes focused on him and rest in him. And security is only given eternally through the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you find yourself looking for significance in any of these other areas? Building your own house? Wanting just security and safety? Working hard, being seen as somebody who works hard and provides? Or are you able to say, all of those things are like chewing on air. They will never satisfy and my stomach will be left empty. But when I go to the cross of Christ, he fully satisfies our every desire. He's building a building that can never be torn down. You don't have to stay up at night wondering if God's mission is going to fall apart. It will not. He carries it through. Security in him. No matter what is going to take place in this world, we have an eternal home that is much better than the one that we have here and when I work, I can rest my head saying, God, on the cross, you said it's finished. And it was done. The most important work was done in you. And I lay my head down and I rest easy because I serve a God who gives me significance through his son. Not through what I can do. Not through my own ability. But in him and in a way that can never be taken. Let's pray and then we'll close. God, we lift this time to you. Thank you for your word that you give us, that we can reflect upon. I pray over this place. May this church be built only by you. Let us not labor in vain as we lean into the cross and we long to take upon ourselves your yoke for your burden is light. Thank you, Father. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a happy Father's Day. We'll see you again next week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11 a.m. If you'd like any more information about Ogden Church, just visit our website at ogdenchurch.org or Facebook.